A few times this morning, I'm going to ask that you help me by just talking back to me, okay? Talking with me. We'll start off this way. I'm praying a verse for you, for our whole church, for uh, this series. If you email me or text me or call me or buy me something personally, I'll pray for you personally. But here's our passage that's kind of overriding this whole thing. It's Proverbs 3, uh, 24. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. So repeat those phrases after me. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. That's my prayer for you. We're looking at what keeps us awake, what keeps us staying awake, staring at the ceiling, what disturbs us. We're looking at a lot of causes, and this morning we're going to consider uh, this idea, this very real idea, with its, all of its destructive elements, this idea of anger. Now, I want to drop a verse on you. I'm not going to put it up on the screen, not going to get you to turn there. I'm going to get you to trust me on it. You can look it up later. But it says this. It says, it's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. It says, be angry. That's a command. Be angry and do not sin. Do you get that? Anger and sin are not necessarily the same thing. Be angry and do not sin. Here we go. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil a foothold. I want to begin this morning with a, an anger analysis, okay? Let's, let's take a pop quiz. I've got four questions for the whole congregation. Question uh, number one. When driving, how often do you use your horn? A, rarely if ever. B, as needed at least once a day. It's kind of a vitamin. C, it is the most used part of my car. Question number two. At a restaurant, how often do you complain about the service? A, never. B, only if the food is not good. And C, regularly, and I go out to the car and honk my horn until they bring me my food. <laughs> Pop quiz question number three of anger analysis. While waiting in a supermarket express checkout line, do you A, I meditate and quietly visualize world peace, or B, I count how many items the person in front of me has. Or C, I threaten anyone who looks like they're about to use coupons. <laughs> Pop quiz, anger analysis, question number four, the final one. In life, this is a perspective question. In life, do you see the glass as A, half full, B, half empty, or C, a handy weapon in a bar fight? <laughs> so how'd you score? Do you know one of the first questions in all the Bible? It's this, Genesis chapter 4. God asked a question, and he asked, why are you angry? That question God asked to a man named Cain. Why are you angry? One of the first questions in all the Bible. Cain, some of you know, had homicidal jealousy toward a brother. And there's this beautiful, I say beautiful, there's this picture of what God says, God visualizes anger, the destructive elements of anger by a wild animal. And he says, this thing, it's, this sin is crouching at your door. It's looking uh, to bring you down. You must rule over it. Now, if you know the story, did Cain rule over it? He did not. And what we have is the first murder ever. 
Where's Molly at this morning? Molly was singing, leading us in our worship this morning. Last Sunday after the first sermon in the Insomnia series, she said, she posted on Twitter, one of the things that keeps me awake at night is what? Making, making a murderer? Okay, you guys watching that? It's keeping Molly up every night. Making a murderer. And the first murder of the Bible occurred because someone, imagine this, just couldn't get control of their homicidal, jealous rage and anger. Why are you angry? I want you to turn to James chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 19 to 20. We'll put it up on the screen in just a second. I'm going to give you four ideas that are helpful, practical, and biblical. But in these helpful, practical, biblical principles from James chapter 1 that I don't want you to miss this morning, I definitely don't want you to miss the root of it all. And we'll talk about that as we close the message in a bit. James chapter 1. Are you there? We're going to put it up. Know this. I love that. Know this. He's saying, my beloved brothers. He's saying to us, this is really important. I would say to you, church, in 2016, you probably all weekend listened and watched the pundits and the press and people talk the politicians, but now you're at church to hear the word of God preached. And I would say to you with the same passion that James is saying to those 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, know this. He wants this word to go out to the church that's all over the world at the time. Know this. This is really important. My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So I'm going to begin with the first point from verse 20. I'm taking it backwards a little bit. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The first thing that's helpful, practical, and biblical is this. Remember the results. Remember the results of your anger. Now, what are the results of anger? We could talk endlessly, practically, couldn't we? I mean, I just want to say how humbling this is to preach a sermon on anger when all my family's in the room, and most of them are on the front row. You can ask Susan how sweet I was to her last night. She was, she was cold in the house. I said, baby, let me turn the heat up a little bit and bring you a blanket. I want to serve you. It was a really a rare occasion last night. I just want to feel good about standing up here preaching on anger. Just a few minutes before the sermon, no lie, I go up, not from the second floor, but up to the third floor just to look out and to pray to see if we had anybody on parking lot duty, to see how fast some of you were coming in and if you were finding a parking place. I was just up there to pray, and it's a really scary room. Just don't go to the third floor until we renovate in about five years. Just don't go up there, okay? But I was on the third floor because I'm allowed to, but I erroneously, uh, mistakenly shut the door behind me, and I couldn't get it open. And it's a really decrepit room up there. And I was like, oh. And the singing, I think, had started and I was really struggling. I thought, you know, what am I going to do? The only option is to yell. And they're going to think I'm angry before I preach this sermon, right? But I prayed and the door opened. The results are good. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. That's James chapter 5. I'm just throwing some chapter 5 on you there. But this idea of anger, remember the results. What are the results of anger? 
when God asked Cain, are you angry? Why are you angry? It resulted in the worst possible outcome. But as I studied Proverbs this week, I refreshed a study that I did years ago. And Proverbs gives us seven and actually several other things. just depends on how you systemize it. But it gives us some effects, some negative effects of our anger. As we remember the results, Proverbs would say that the anger causes many things in your life. It creates quarrels. It causes strife. It alienates others. It leads to foolishness, to reckless action. It takes away peace and it stirs up trouble. That's what anger can do. In Proverbs eleven twenty nine 29 of the Living Bible, I would love for you to write that down. Proverbs eleven twenty nine 29 in the Living Bible. I rarely reference that, but it has a beautiful uh, depiction of, of this, this meaning of anger. And it says, when a fool provokes his family to anger and resentment, he will finally find that he has nothing worthwhile left. Listen to the wisdom of the scripture this morning. When a fool, when he gives full vent to his anger and he provokes his family to anger and resentment, he will, listen, he will finally find that he has nothing worthwhile left. Alienate others. Stir trouble. You drive away peace. You cause quarrels. You finally find. In other words, your anger has some effects, then it builds, has other effects and other effects. Have you noticed that? I mean, sadly, it could be true for some of you. Let me just speak God's grace over you right now. But I, I know some people. I know a man who caught me after church one Sunday and said, Robert, I would love to be a pastor. I dreamed of being a preacher. I'm like, you sure about that? And he said, oh, I mean, I always wanted to. I want to do what you do, but I can't. Why can't you? My anger. And he, he was, his story is almost dangerously close to that line of lost my wife, lost this child, lost this, lost this one, lost this one. Finally, nothing worthwhile left. That passage tells me because I'm a man and all men deal with lust. Let's be real. All men deal with anger. Let's be authentic. And there is an effect. And if we don't control it, if we don't remember the results of our anger, it will be at our peril. And can I just say, I should have said this about 10 minutes ago, this is a sermon where you just, everybody wants to look at me, right? Hey, don't worry about that person next to you. Hear the sermon for yourself. And let grace fill this place, because I think everybody has had fights, arguments, has expressed their anger in a way that they're ashamed of. Am I right? I have. Remember the results. And what does James say? The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The second thing I want to tell you is when James says what? He says, he says be what? Quick to listen. So the second point is this. Reflect before you react. Proverbs 29.11, I dropped 11.29 on you a minute ago, but Proverbs 29.11 says this idea that the foolish person, he just gives full fury to his anger. He just lets it rip. He just lets it rip. Now, I want to say this. Anger is what the experts call a secondary emotion. Let me quickly explain. Just as there are three primary colors, red, yellow, and blue, just as there are three primary tools for an architect, line, ang line, angle, and curve, there are three primary emotions that produce or prompt anger. What are they? Hurt, frustration, 
and fear. I wish I had those on the slides, but write those down. Hurt, frustration, and fear. James is saying that we ought to be, when we're to be quick to listen, we should reflect before we react. When you're angry, it's stemming from you being hurt, from you being frustrated, or for you being afraid. Scenario, so follow this scenario. You wake up this morning and you're excited. It's a new year. You've had some trouble sleeping and you think, I'm, I'm gonna come to Fondra Church to worship God and to hear a message on insomnia. You get up early and you're ready. I mean, it's a 1045 service, right? You can do this. You get up early and you're ready to leave, but the person you're coming with, they are, imagine this, not ready to leave. You wait and then you drive fast. Maybe, depending on people's judgment, maybe you went through a red light or two. But you're driving fast to get to church to hear a sermon on anger. When you pull in the parking lot, most parking spots are full, it appears. And you pull into the back and there's an open spot. And as you're pulling in, a real shiny new red sports car pulls into that parking space. Now, first of all, you've got a problem because they've got a red, shiny new sports car. And you don't. But they pull right in, and let me just ask you, you're, you begin to wonder, as steam rises, you begin to wonder, what is the appropriate gesture in a church parking lot? But you're fired up, and you're angry, and you get out, and you go over there, and you, you tap on the window of the shiny new red sports car. Now, you're angry, but what's feeding that? Hurt, frustration, or fear? Yes? Frustration. Now, the person driving the red, shiny new sports car, they had their window tapped on by you. What, frustra- what are they experiencing? Fear. They're scared of you, right? James is saying to us, when he says, be quick to listen, reflect before you react. Quick to listen. Can anybody in the room this morning, can you think of anybody, any relationship where a person left the relationship because they felt genuinely listened to? I'll give you the floor. We'll give you three minutes and that's it. Just stand up, tell us your name and tell us about that relationship. Someone left the relationship. They stormed out and they said, I'm out of here because you're genuinely listening to me. There's power, James says, when we reflect before we react. Remember the results. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be quick to listen. He's saying what? Reflect before you react. And then what? Be quick to listen. Be ready Slow, be slow to speak. How many of you, this is tough for you naturally, just the way God's wired you? You're with me now. If you raise your hand, you're like me. That may be painful to admit. Just, gosh. Raise your hand high if you're sort of like me. You just struggle sometimes. It's hard for you, thank you, to be, you struggle to raise your hand, but you talk all the time, right? Right? Maybe you didn't raise your hand quickly because you were talking while I'm talking. I don't know. But be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. This summer, I was with a good friend, a leader in our church, and he looked at me and he said, Robert, sometimes you'll ask a question and then you'll answer it. You'll ask me the question and then you'll answer it. Do you know, do you know that hurt? Hurt me? He was fine. I love him. And in his love, he hurt me, but in the hurting, he helped me. My wife's like, who is it? Let me pay him money, right? Be slow. Be slow to speak. 
Now, psychologists have not helped us much in this area recently when it comes to anger and to speaking. Let me talk with you for a little bit. I'm going to maybe provoke some minor level of controversy, and if I do, I would love an email from you so that we can dialogue. But psychologists have, haven't done so well. They've sent confusing, conflicting messages on this. Uh, th- there has been a, a theory postulated by some modern psychologists. It's the ventilation theory. Man, when you're angry, just ventilate. Just, uh, man, let it fly. Get it off your chest. Blow off steam. Yell at somebody. Hit something. Throw something. It feels good, doesn't it? I mean, if you've done that, doesn't it feel good? I mean, who can argue with the mood-elevating endorphins that are released in your body? It's a good feeling. In fact, I told you there'd be some talk back. I want you to help me at church this morning. I want you to tap into your river of rage. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say yes, okay? I'm going to say yes to all of you, to hundreds of you, and I want you back to me. I want you to say no, and I want your no to be loud, angry, defiant, and forceful. Are you ready? You ready for this? So I'm going to say yes, and you're going to say no. I'm going to say, who knows what I'm going to say? But each time, I want you to say back to me no. And you can even point at me if you want to. You get this? It's your chance to shake your fist at your pastor. Are you ready? Do you know your assignment? Look at the person next to you. Make sure you all both know your assignment because we need you on this, all right? You ready? You're going to say no. Yes. No. Yes. No. I said yes. No. Stop it. No. I said yes. Man, it's scary from up here. I just want to say very, very scary. Wow. Now, let me ask you. It was a little odd, I know. We'll talk about this one when we get home in the uh, post-sermon wrap-up. But let me ask you, honestly, did that feel good? <laughs> Bunch of comedians in this church. I'll tell the jokes, okay? Okay. Did that feel good? Yes. Thank you. It did, didn't it? But stay with me. Because there's a lot of new research out there on human understanding and behavior and relational advice that says that ventilating, that when you're letting off anger, that what you're doing is creating more anger. Stay with me. So hit me up on an email if you want. But what feels good in the moment, you know what what to do? It'll encourage you to keep doing it. And what does Proverbs say? Let me go to the Bible here. What does Proverbs say? When you give full vent, you're a fool, and other people get hurt. So to be slow to speak, quick to listen, it's important. And let me ask you, those who are being ventilated on, it doesn't feel good, does it? It's good for the ventilator, and it's bad for the ventilee. And James is saying, be careful your words. Be so slow to speak. Another thing that he says in this passage, he says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak. And then he says, or lastly, be, qu- be slow to anger. Okay? Quick to listen. Slow to speak, slow to anger. Here's the idea. Reinterpret your rage. Have you had somebody that you're mad at? That spouse? You know, that person? And your blood just boils. But I think when we're commanded 
to be slow to anger, it's a time to stop and maybe to consider the one who is we are angry at, to, the, to consider the one who is themselves angry. To some extent, this has been helpful in my own life. I have many times failed, and sometimes I've gotten it dead on right. But to stop in a moment and to think, why are they angry? You see, patient people oftentimes aren't angry people. And when you're patient enough, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 5 says that the patient person sits down and in conversation, they draw out the depths of that person. Because why? Every time we sit down with someone, shallow news, sports, weather, we're projecting an image, right? We're putting our best foot forward. We're talking typically about shallow how stuff. But Proverbs 20 and verse 5 says that a wise person draws out the depths. How important is that in any relationship you have? Not just to listen to the message, but the meaning behind the message. Guys, can we just say we're not good at this naturally? It's why you need to come to the Finders Keepers Marriage Conference at the end of the month here, Friday night and Saturday. There's just so much that we need to learn that we're not natural at, but it goes far beyond a marriage relationship when you have a friendship to be able to sit down and to be patient because sometimes the person that you're angry at, just think about it for a second. What family did they grow up in? Maybe they grew up in a family where anger was was expressed in a really ugly way and love was rarely expressed. Maybe their father was a stern authority figure a disciplinarian. Maybe there was drugs and alcohol and absenteeism and abandonment. Maybe there was abuse. The boss that you're angry about that spews his or her anger on you, what's their life like? Who has hurt them? James is saying that we're wise when we reinterpret the rage. When we pause, we pause to consider Several years ago, we were, uh, me and some friends were given tickets to um, a sporting event. And I got tickets from someone I knew kind of high up with the team. And I was so proud, proud to get tickets with, with such good seats, proud to take my friends. It was just one of those guy things. You know, guys are just little boys growing up a little bit. And it was kind of like show and tell. And I was like, hey, I know somebody with the team. And we're going to get great seats because of me. And you know me. And I'm awesome. And let's go. Let's go get these seats. And I went up to the, to, to the player's window to receive our tickets as my friends waited just adjacent from me, about 15 to 20 yards. And I, I knock at the window. And the, the young woman comes up and she says, I said, I'm Robert Green, and I'm here for four tickets. And she said, I'm sorry, who? I said, Mr. Green, Mr. Robert Green. She says, ah, she scans. I don't, I don't see a Mr. Robert Green. And I'm like, well, I, look, I know they're here. And of course, you know, I do what men do. Men are, well, I was at, we got to look confident, right? We, I look over at my friends, I'm like. <laughs> and we have a, a conversation. And I felt like this young woman was a little impatient, and maybe she... Um, was questioning my authority. And I just, I kind of thought, you know, but I need to, I need to remember the results if I get angry, right? There are things here that I need to do. I need to realize the anger man does not produce the righteousness of God. I need to reflect before I react. I need to restrain my remarks. I need to reinterpret the rage that I'm feeling. She sent me, uh, I'll make this story short. She sent me on a wild goose chase. She sent me to the will call. Maybe Robert, you need to go, Mr. Green, to the will call window. And I went over to the will call window. Again, I assured my friends, everything's good here. We got this. And I went over there and said, four tickets, Robert Green. You think they have them? No, no tickets. 
I think you need to go back to that window. And I went back to that window. I tried to catch someone on the walkie-talkie, you know, one of those guys, Roman, you know, that I sort of knew. I was like, I want to get this guy. And, we're gonna, you know. and I go back to that window and have a few minutes of conversation with her. I'm like, what, what, ma'am, what do you suggest that I do? Because here I am with my friends, wanting to win friends and influence people and go to this game and enjoy these seats. What, what do you suggest? She said, you see that phone over there? It's a house phone. I would go over there and I would call back to the, to the sort of the inner bowels of the arena and may, maybe someone will answer, maybe, and you'll be helped. And I did and someone who answered was actually, you know, it was my friend. Oh, whew. hey bro, thought you had me hooked up, you know? So he sent me back, he said, go back and I'll call and it'll be fine and I went back. I mean, I just had something built up because this took a while, I got the run around and I went back to the window and she said, hey, Robert, Mr. Green, here are your four tickets for you and your friends. And I said, thank you. And I just had kind of a lot built up. And she goes, oh, by the way, I go to your church. <laughs> and in fact, a couple of my friends, they, they visited a little bit. <laughs> Can I tell you, in that moment, I was so glad that I remembered the results, Right? that I reflected before I reacted, that I restrained most of my remarks, and then I tried to reinterpret in the moment. How do you do? Because sometimes I don't get it right. In my anger, it can alienate others. It can create quarrels and cause strife. It can lead to foolishness, to reckless action. It can take away peace, sleep, right? It can stir up trouble. That's what my anger can do. A pastor that I know says guilt, guilt says I owe you, but anger says you owe me. And if you're here this morning and you're really angry, if you're really angry, can I say you know that you're really angry? And if you don't know, ask some people in your life close to you. They'll tell you. If you're really angry, you're really angry at everybody. You, you wake up in the morning with a, if you've slept well that night, you probably haven't, but you wake up with a, everybody owes me. And I have attempted to minister to some of those folks, and I've tried to do precisely exactly what they needed in the moment, and even the exact precision of it all, they're what? Not happy because they're angry at everybody and everything. And can I just say, I shared a story where I got anger right, and I could share some stories where I didn't get anger right. But I'm telling you this morning, I wanna be at a place where God will work deep in my heart. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15, good one to write down, Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. It says, do not let a root of bitterness do not let that grow up in you. And it goes on in the next verse to say, it will hurt many. Now, a root, we get this, a root is unseen. A root is invisible. And I know a man who's angry at life. Not too long ago, I tried to talk to him. And he said, what? He said, no, 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 I don't want to talk. I know that long ago something invaded his heart and it lodged itself there and it hid in the dark and he kept it a secret and it grew and it manifested itself into great anger. 
And angry people, you know what angry people do? Angry people either they explode or they withdraw. How are you? What, what's your typical standard of behavior? When you're angry, do you explode or do you withdraw? Can I tell you, pouting is anger. Some people are like, I'm pulling back and I'm not going to speak to you anymore, or at least for not for a while. Yeah, you, you sent the text, but I'm not going to respond, at least not the next couple of days, right? Because I'm pulling back and I'm pouting. I'm going to withdraw myself from you. I'm going to withhold my awesomeness from you. I'm going to punish you. You're not going to be able to brown me. Pouting is anger. We get explosion is anger, but you know, sometimes when we explode or we withdraw, we insult people. You know, as far as I know, I've been in one really good fight in my life. I was a kid. And you know what I learned from that fight? I got in a fight. I'm, here's what's cool. I'm friends with a guy today. I bumped into him at a Hardee's in Starkville back in November. We're good friends. He lives in Huntsville. We're really good friends. But we got in a fight, and he kind of roughed me up. And I learned that day, man. I learned that God really hadn't given me a fighter's body. And I've learned that I never, if ever in a fight again, I shouldn't fight fair. I should have a weapon. <laughs> but honestly, he kind of hurt me that day. That's the only story I've got, really, of somebody physically hurting me. Of course, I've hit the gym since then, and I can take many of you out. <laughs> but honestly, the physical hurts, the physical wounds, nobody's really worrying about that, are they? I mean, unless you've had somebody physically beat you up on the playground this week or on the off water cooler at work, right? But we, we say in our anger, we say, I'm going to inflict harm and that harm is going to haunt you. And my words, there's a good chance they're going to hurt you and cut you so deep in this fight that you're going to remember these words 10 years from now. Some insults are blatant. You get that, right? Someone just like, hey, you're not, you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. That's pretty easy, right? They're saying, I'm not sharp. Some insults, they're subtle. There's a compliment, but then there's an insult. You ever felt that? I mean, some, some people are, I feel like there's some church people, like they, that's their gift. They learn how to give you a compliment, but it's really an insult. Ever, ever been around, do you know anybody like that? I mean, and they're angry and they're out to get you. And here's what I do. This is a little tip. This is free, free advice. Uh, I'll give you one example. Years ago, someone said to me when I was in college, I preached a sermon at a church and a guy came up to me and said, man, that was a good sermon for someone that's not fully educated. Now, what do you think I remembered from that time? The good sermon or the part about my education? Yes. So here's what I do now. When you're around someone who gives sort of the passive insult, not the active insult, not the blatant, but the passive, they, do the, they, do the, they insult you, but they give you the compliment, focus on the compliment, right? That's what I do. That was a good sermon for the day. Oh, man, I killed it, didn't I? That was awesome. I'm awesome. Man, yeah. And that just destroys them because they know what they've done to you. They know what they've done, and they want to hurt you, and they want it to haunt you. Don't let them. Passive-aggressive people, don't let them. Don't let them win. Fight the fight. Focus on the compliment and just throw it right back in their face. When we're angry, it's very destructive. What's the answer? The answer for anger is forgiveness. And I want to close by going back and talking about the ventilation part, the ventilation theory that people postulate. Just get it off your chest, blow off steam, let it fly. 
Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 5. Some of you think in your anger you go to a third party, it's helpful. It's not. When you drag other people in, you drag innocent parties into the mess and they're hurt and they're left choosing sides and other people get hurt. Do we have Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15? Jesus said, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. See that? If they listen to you, you have won them over just between the two of you. When in your anger you drag other people in because you're ventilating, other people just get angry. And the problem is left unsolved. Just a word from Jesus who loves to do business with your heart and with mine. Would you bow?